BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Hey, it's Erica Cruz Guevara. The Bay Area's progressive values make San Quentin State Prison, a maximum security penitentiary, a unique place for some really innovative re-entry and rehabilitation programs. Research shows that people who can't find jobs after prison are three times more likely to return behind bars than those who do. So these innovative programs, they're important. Except there's only so much they can prepare you for. It took me a minute to, to grasp that, you know, because I'm like, hey, I was walking down the street to an interview. You see, like, every other block was Tent City. And that was my one. I had never thought I would see that in Oakland. Today, we're going to look at one program at San Quentin that prepares inmates for work in the food service industry after they get out and what it can't prepare inmates for, like the challenges and all the change the Bay Area has gone through since some of them last saw it. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Welcome to the Bay. There was a buzz. You could tell the guys were simultaneously excited that we were there but also kind of annoyed that they were trying to do all this prep in the kitchen for this big feast. And there were reporters buzzing around them. Mary Franklin Harvin is a reporter for KQED. She spent a recent afternoon at San Quentin. About 3,800 people are incarcerated there. I went for the graduation ceremony of the Quentin Cooks. It's a culinary program that's been running at San Quentin since 2016. They've had five graduating classes. Quentin Cooks is a 12-week program where inmates learn kitchen skills and earn a food handling credential for work in the food industry. The hope is that the students will find work in the industry after they're released. Only inmates serving eight-year sentences or less are eligible for the program. So the idea is they'll be coming out with a credential that's valid. Um, Normally, an employee or an employer would have to pay for this credential. So that gives them a leg up and makes it easier for them to be hired immediately. Can you sort of give me a sense of what the, the graduation room looked like? What the sense of the room was like? How were people feeling? How do you feel? Are you excited? Yeah. A lot of shiny aluminum tables when we got in. There are these long preparation tables in the kitchen. There's a big sheet of garlic bread with butter. And they have the sharp kitchen knives actually chained to them. 
you know, until you see that, there's nothing different about that kitchen than any other industrial kitchen that you would see. But in that same vein, the utensils that we used and the plates that we used were sort of this bamboo paperboard. Mm, so it was like a reminder of where you were and who these men were. How did the program get started? First, because the two co-founders... I'm Lisa Dombrowski. Yeah, hi, I'm Helena Milnitzer. Uh, the men know me as Laney. They saw a high turnover in their industry. It struck me, let's do a cooking program. I'm in the industry. We need employment. Uh, people won't judge them for their past or their tattoos. The Prison Policy Initiative, which is this nonpartisan nonprofit group in Massachusetts, they did an analysis last year of data from 2008, which is the most recent data we have on inmate unemployment. And inmate unemployment hovers around 27 percent. That's actually higher than unemployment during the Great Depression. Mm. And it's even higher, closer to 32 percent in the first two years um, after release. So a program like Quentin Cook's allows for people to come right out of prison. And because Lainey and Lisa invest a lot of time in establishing um, leads for these men before they get out, they already have opportunities waiting for them that they can transition directly into. Definitely. Um, some, some men will get out and I will hear from them right away, Lainey, I'm out. Can you help me? You know, And I do. And I do. Um, some men, I think, aren't used to that. So even though I tell them, here's my card, get in touch with me, and I'm not, I'm not your mother, I'm not going to chase you, I wind up chasing them. There are people you met who actually did get jobs in the food service industry after their release. Can you tell me about Joel McCarter? What's his story? I'm, I'm Mary. Hi. Hi. Mary. Joel. Joel. Joel McCarter is a former inmate who attended the Quentin Cooks dinner with his current employers, Tina Ferguson Reif and Sean Hagler, who own a barbecue spot called Smoke in Berkeley. And Lisa made sure that I made it to my first interview. <laughs> she was there doing my first interview. He says he does everything from ringing up customers to washing dishes to wrangling their smoker that they call Big Bertha. Before I came in, I worked in the kitchen, so the kitchen have always been a part of me. He's been working in the food and restaurant industry since he got out. He and four other inmates came back to basically just to be a sign of hope for the guys who are still in to say, you know, it's really not easy, but we're making it work on the outside. People come in, they see people in blue, and they're thinking, he did something bad, he did something terrible. What they don't know is I've, I've been in blue, right? And I walk with these people, and I know them, you know, and they're not bad people. I mean, we made bad choices, but believe me or not, there's some great people here, and I miss, I miss talking to them. He was in St. Quentin for nine years. When I asked him at the dinner about his parole, he said, I parole um, March 7th in 2017. You can tell that milestone means something to him in the same way that, like, a wedding anniversary or his daughter's birthday would. Yeah, he remembers the exact date. Yeah, yeah. and he has a wife and a three-year-old daughter. He said that, you know, when he first got out, his family had a big dinner from him. He's from East Oakland. 
He was really passionate about getting involved with his niece and nephew, who he hadn't been able to get to know well while he was in prison. Let them know, hey, your uncle's still here, that I still love you, and I'm going to try from this point on be more active in your life. It's been a game changer for him. He said, you know, when you get out of prison, it's hard asking for a second chance. And that's the biggest thing about this, you know, about the whole program. Everyone knows that, hey, there's more out there. You don't have to resort back to your old ways. There's something new. What has research said, or what I'm curious to know if experts have said about um, the impact of inmates participating in these types of programs? The only direct perspective I have of that is from San Quentin. Just from a rehabilitative perspective, Mm. their public information officer, Lieutenant Sam Robinson, told me that it brings these skills that you wouldn't necessarily think about, like patience, like they make pasta by hand. They, They don't do anything that they can do from scratch, not from scratch. And there's also this sort of like opportunities for the inmates to be congenial with one another across race um, in a way that they might not have in other rehabilitative programs. Lainey Melnitzer, one of the co-founders, was talking to me about how, you know, you have a focused task, but you're also not so focused that you can't just have side conversations and you're all working together towards the same end. you got to focus and yet you're, you talk. It's sort of like there's just a stream of conversation, but your main focus is on the food. So you're not as self-conscious about the dialogue between you and you share and you help. So it gives you not to be overly cheesy, but just this opportunity for teamwork that you might not have in rehabilitative programs that are more individually focused, Mm. like coding or something like that. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the vision for where a formerly incarcerated person might end up after going through this program? Ideally, I don't know that Lainey and Lisa have any kind of I don't know that they're wed to the idea that these guys stay in the restaurant industry forever. They really just want them to get jobs as quick as possible. San Quentin said that they do not keep records of the employment of their inmates after release. So housing is an enormous concern. In my research before the Quentin Cooks dinner, I actually talked to the general manager of Kala, a woman named Emma Rosenbush. Kala is sort of an upscale Mexican restaurant in San Francisco. And when they opened, 70% of their staff were formerly incarcerated people. Now their workforce is closer to between 20 and 40% former inmates. She also said that their biggest challenge by far is housing. A lot of the inmates who they hire actually live in San Francisco. And when she said that, it was like, how is that possible? And she said it's because... When you are released, oftentimes you get temporary housing. And so these inmates are in that temporary housing. And I said, well, you know, what happens when the terms on the temporary housing expires? And she said, well, they move to Treasure Island or they get some roommates or they're lucky enough to have family or friends who they can live with or they move a far commute's distance away. I think back to conversations that I've had with formerly incarcerated people about 
how hard it can be to reintegrate into society. You know, being in there during all these changes in your community, changes in technology, as you'd mentioned earlier. And I think about in the Bay Area, especially these changes around housing and affordability. How do these men adjust to all the change that's happening in the Bay Area? Joel McCarter, he was also very upfront about how much had changed in his almost decade that he spent in San Quentin. He said, you know, I got out and East Oakland was full of bike lanes and tent villages. You know, so when I got out and I seen all that, all this stuff blew me away. And like I said, it took me a minute to, to grasp that. It's not every other block was tent city. And that was mind-blowing. I had never thought I would see that in Oakland. Even after putting in all the training and work, the restaurant job that Joel has is in limbo. The building that houses Smoke Berkeley has been sold, and the restaurant's owner says they have to be out by July 31st, pushing Joel closer to the scary doorstep of unemployment. I don't know what's going to happen to Joel after July. Yeah. It's almost like the program has this purpose that is amazing, you know, that this idea of helping people reintegrate into society, but then there's only so much that that can do and prepare someone for, especially in a place that's changing so much like the Bay Area. It's like you're just constantly catching up to the changes around you after you after you're released. It's like the odds are stacked even higher against you than they already were. And now you also have to deal with this rapidly gentrifying area. Mary Franklin says San Quentin doesn't track whether inmates land jobs after they're released. The founders of Quentin Cooks say they try their best to keep in touch with the graduates. But that's just another thing formerly incarcerated people have to learn to adjust to. Keeping in touch, learning how to use new technologies, and adjusting to what it means to be free. Mary Franklin Harvin is a reporter for KQED. You can keep in touch with us by finding us on Twitter at The Bay KQED. The Bay is produced each week by Devin Karayama, Erica Aguilar, and me. We got help this week from Ryan Levy. Julie Kane is the head of podcasts at KQED. Our news leadership team includes Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. See you next week. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.